0: This is
1: KGMI Connects with Joe Tian, a live local show about our community and you on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Well, good Tuesday afternoon, and we're going a little bit early today because we got a very special program today, um, a debate slash forum between uh, the two candidates for the 42nd District Senate, State Senate seat. And uh, we're glad to have you with us. We won't be able to take questions uh, from the audience today, but we'll present questions to the two candidates. With us here in the studio are Republican Simon Sefsik and Democrat Sharon shoemaker Welcome to both of you.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you for having us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So we've got a format today. Uh, we'll present questions and uh, each of you will have two minutes to answer that question. And then we'll have an, and each of you will also have an opportunity to then rebut, offer a rebuttal to an answer and then an answer to the rebuttal. Uh, so, if that makes sense. And uh, we'll also hear from both of you later in the in the broadcast. But uh, we'll expect to have a, a lively hour here. And thanks again for joining us. So, uh, And our timer is our morning news anchor, Deanna Haralik.
0: Howdy. You got me here in the afternoons, didn't That's you? That's
1: right. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll get going. We already did a coin toss. So Simon Sefsik will be the first to answer our first question. And uh, so our first topic we'll cover is the cost of living. And our question is inflation continues at rates not seen in decades are there steps that state government can take to ease the pain of higher prices for consumers simon
2: well thank you joe for the question and thank you both to joe and sharon for having this debate today i think this is a wonderful opportunity for us to show where we agree but also to show substantive areas where we disagree i think this process makes us stronger and so in terms of the cost of living You've hit the nail on the head. Unfortunately, we know what the problem is. You know, We know that every single day it seems like it gets harder and harder for people to get by. The cost of living goes up. Your rent goes up. The cost of housing goes up. Grocery prices and gasoline prices continue to rise. I mean I shouldn't have to hear from a single mother uh, who reached out to me about having to choose between pulling her kids from being able to play in soccer – in a soccer game because of the high gas prices. And so there are steps that can be taken. One of the steps I think we needed to take during the legislative session was some type of tax relief. We have a projected about $15 billion budget surplus. And despite a record surplus from the legislature, the majority party didn't spend a single penny of that on any meaningful type of tax relief. So it gets harder and harder for the average family to get by. And so there are all sorts of steps that can be taken to ease up uh, the average person because ultimately inflation is not only uh, a hidden tax it's a tax that affects those in lower middle income categories the most and so I think tax relief would have been a great way for us to ease up on on some of those uh, families that are struggling right now unfortunately the majority party said no instead 22 new taxes have been passed since 2018 and those taxes make it harder and harder for the average person to get by in this state so that's why I think we need tax relief we need to reduce those regulations that make for example housing more expensive that make rent more expensive and make it easier for families that grow up here in Whatcom County to get by
1: all right Simon F so, uh, so same question do you want me to repeat it Sharon nope, I got okay
0: it. so when prices are rising it's really hard on families and I have a lot of empathy for that. I'm going to use my economics background to really try and get the root of the question, problem. And you have to address the root of the problem if you actually want to find a solution. So there's three reasons why we're seeing this inflationary pressure. One is supply chains and supply chain hiccups. We just can't get things to market, and a lot of times we'll see the container ships, the cost of transporting things has really gone through the roof. Um, Another piece of this is the war in Ukraine and higher energy prices. Energy is baked into so much of what we do. So when the price of energy goes up, it makes everything more expensive. And then the third thing is really we're in a global inflationary uh, environment right now since the pandemic. So there's things that the Federal Reserve can do. That's not things that the state government can do. And I'm hoping that they're going to find us on a safe landing. We have, we, the thing of those, of those three things, the thing that we do have the most control over is the supply chain. What are things that we can do to smooth over things in the supply chain? I'm a member of the Supply Chain Caucus, and it's been really important to me that we figure out ways to make it easier for a truck driver to do their job. Let's figure out ways that we can make this better. Um, another one of those big ticket items in everyone's budget is housing. We have to do more on housing. We have to figure out ways to cut those regulations. And that is what I want to spend the next four years working on.
1: All right. Um, a rebuttal?
2: Yeah. Simon? Well, I think those are those are some great observations. You know, especially I remember Sharon shoemaker even a few months ago said that her number one priority uh, was affordable housing. And what I would ask is Sharon Shoemake has only voted for the laws that make housing more and more expensive. The BIAW said Sharon shoemaker has voted for the top four laws that made housing more expensive over the past two legislative sessions. So we can talk all we want about affordable housing. For me, this is personal. I don't own a home in Whatcom County, but I hope to one day. And, and furthermore— Time. Okay, Sharon, now
1: you have 30 seconds to go ahead and answer.
0: So, first of all, Simon did have an opportunity to vote on something that would have allowed allowed us to create more affordable housing and not cut the cost of the government a dime. He voted no. What Simon's referring to now is he's talking about energy codes for the most part. I have been supportive of tighter energy codes. Because it's not just the cost of actually building a home, it's also the cost of living in that home. And so if you can show me through a cost-benefit analysis that the benefits are higher to the homeowner than the cost of those energy costs, I'm going to vote yes on that.
1: All right. So I did have some questions about housing and homelessness, and we'll get to uh, well, housing specifically, too, and we'll get to those in just a moment. Let's move on to crime. And this has been a hot issue. Law enforcement says the rate of crime in many categories have risen sharply in our communities. What do you attribute this increase to and what steps should be taken to combat it? And we'll start with Sharon this time.
0: Yeah, so this is a national crime wave. We are seeing a crime wave in red states and in blue states in places that pass police reform and places that did not pass refor- police reform. It's typical after a pandemic or a natural disaster or really any mass trauma event that we see an increase in crime. You can think about the reasons why people self soothe with drugs and alcohol. It can be really hard on your relationship. And that leads to the kind of crime that we're seeing right now. I have been, what I'm most concerned about is Whatcom County. So I've been meeting with the prosecutor, the courts, the public defenders, um, a whole bunch of people in various parts of the mental health care system, corrections. And I've come up with kind of a five-pillar approach that really gets at the root causes. So one is we need more people doing this work in law enforcement, corrections, and in behavioral health. Two, we need more places where we can do this work. We absolutely need a new jail, but we also need a suite of mental health care interventions. Three, our courts have a big backlog. And when you don't have consequences that are swift, certain, and fair, it's really easy for people to get out and continue doing those crimes. Four- crime isn't just about the crimes that are happening to you, but public safety is also about whether you not you feel safe in your community. And a lot of people don't feel safe when people are sleeping on the side of the road or doing drugs out in our parks. And I understand that. And so I think it's time that we put together a project to end homelessness in Whatcom County. And a big part of that is housing. The fifth piece of this is basically an economy that works for everyone. Invest in early learning, invest in really good education, make sure we have high-paying, well-benefit jobs, and really an economy that works for everyone.
2: All right. Simon? Well, you know what I didn't just hear from that answer were some very obvious steps that should be taken from the legislature. First, we need to actually make sure that hard drug possession is illegal in this state. I mean, Alicia Rule was at a forum last uh, Tuesday where she said that she could not even get Uh, Sharon's own party to agree that fentanyl should be illegal in the state of Washington. So I'm surprised that Sharon isn't even right now willing to acknowledge that we should at least be willing to prosecute hard drug possession. Uh, we should also go back and restore the ability of police to engage in vehicular pursuits. Sharon voted for nearly every single one of the anti-police laws that got passed in the 2021 legislative session. And the worst part is, Joe, that if you go and you talk to our local police chiefs, they will tell you that they sat down with Sharon shoemaker. They begged her not to vote for these laws, and she didn't listen to them. And instead, she she sided to fundamentally undermine law enforcement. I'd be curious to see if right now she's still willing to admit that she— regrets her votes uh, on public safety from the 2021 legislative session. Here's what I think we need to do. I think we need to uh, address the Blake decision to make sure that uh, hard drug possession is illegal again so we can actually prosecute and arrest for those crimes. We need to uh, authorize the ability of police to engage in vehicular pursuits. We need to build a new jail. I agree. And we need to encourage law enforcement officers. Sharon's right that in some other states we're seeing this, but Washington state has the fewest number of law enforcement officers per capita in the. Entire country. So, actually, this Thursday, I'll be hosting a forum with Sheriff Elfo, with Prosecutor Ritchie, and with several other police chiefs to talk exactly about what went wrong and what we can do to get ourselves out of this problem. But here's what I do know, Joe. We cannot afford to place the same people that caused the problem and expect that they're going to get us out of the problem. That's why I think we need new leadership. And again, I, I would challenge Sharon to say, is she willing to acknowledge that she made a mistake with the laws that she voted for? It's a simple yes or no. Sharon, do you have a response or a rebuttal?
0: I absolutely do. So to speak to Simon, I voted for some of those laws. I voted against some of them. One of them in particular, the law didn't work for Sumas. And so I said a no vote when it went through the House. And I said when it came back again on concurrence, I was willing to vote yes if the changes... That Sumas needed to see were a part of it. That is how you get things done in the legislature. You don't take stands. I will admit that I think we went too fast with these laws, and we did go back and fix them. And I am always willing to admit that I make mistakes, and that I'll go back and fix them. That is what you have to do when you're governing. Time. And as-
1: okay, uh, Simon, did you have a response? To sure. Sharon? Well,
2: Representative shumake just said she doesn't take stands. I'm different from her on that. I proudly will stand with our law enforcement officials on this issue. Uh, Sharon Schumaker did vote for House Bill 1054 and 1310, some of the most radical anti-police legislation in the entire country. I'm willing that I'm happy that now she's willing to acknowledge she made a mistake and went too far. I just wish she would have listened to law enforcement where they would have told her in the first place that this was a disastrous decision for our communities.
1: All right. Uh, well, let's stay on that issue because I had a separate question uh, specifically about those laws that were recently passed in Olympia dealing with policing and reforming police. Um, and in your mind, and this will go to uh, to uh, Simon first, uh, should they be expanded, restricted or kept where they are? Police laws. These these laws on policing or police reform laws.
2: Sure. The answer is no, that we should address Again, especially as it relates to vehicular pursuits. Uh, The current standard involves a a decision called Terry versus Ohio. I don't want to jump too much into the constitutional jurisprudence of the case, but essentially right now our law enforcement officers cannot even chase engage in vehicular pursuits for basic crimes. I mean, if somebody were to come up here, Joe, if you were to punch me in the face right now to the point where I was unconscious on the ground, but you hop into a vehicle and drive away, police right now legally cannot pursue you for that type of crime. And Sharon Shoemake voted yes for that law. That's a huge problem. And again, we also need to address the knowingly aspect of our drug statutes that came after the Blake decision. It's heartbreaking to see in downtown Bellingham what happens. You know, I've gone on ride-alongs with our Bellingham police force, and it's just sad to see somebody smoking fentanyl in broad daylight. And the only thing a Bellingham PD officer can do is give them a little warning card saying that they shouldn't do it again. There's no punishment for crime, and there's no help for those who need it. What we're doing right now is extraordinarily inhumane to allow people to die on the streets while we do nothing in the name of compassion. Sharon Shoemaker two years ago said her top priority, aside from beating COVID, was to change our criminal justice system. And she's done a remarkable job at that, undermining law enforcement and allowing policies that have increased crime. I'm the only candidate supported by law enforcement organizations, and I'd ask Sharon, why is it that the Fraternal Order of Police hasn't supported you? Why is it that WACOPs hasn't supported you? Why is it that uh, Sheriff Elfo isn't supporting you? Every member of law enforcement that you trust in your community can acknowledge that Sharon Shoemake made a mistake when it came to law enforcement, and it has cost people. Uh, It has cost them their property. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of retail theft going on at the Bellis Fair Mall, and again, there's no prosecution for it. This shouldn't have to be a partisan issue, but when we continue to vote for legislators that don't listen when we need them to, these problems are only going to get worse. All right, and Sharon?
0: Yeah, you know, Simon, I would point out that I am endorsed by Prosecutor Eric Ritchie, and as well as some other retired law enforcement Um law enforcement officers, smoking fentanyl in the streets is not acceptable. We have to figure out ways to get people off the streets and into treatments. And I do think that there need to be consequences. The question is whether or not it should be a felony that follows someone around for the rest of their life because they had an addiction. I've had family members that have gone through this. I know doing nothing is not acceptable. But if someone's been clean for 20 years and they have that felony, they can't go visit their kids at school. They can't get an apartment. They can't hold a job. It's way too easy to slide back. As to the 1310, so that was the use of force bill, when you read it, it sounded really reasonable. It said, only use force in these situations and is used as little as possible. Went through six layers of lawyers, and it looked really different. Again, I think our biggest mistake was going too fast. If we'd had another year, another session before it was implemented, we could have worked out a lot of these kinks and these mistakes. Um, I did vote for that change in police in pursuit laws, and I would point out that the law as written as we pass that I would like to change and make a little bit more lenient on what police officers can do, Ferndale already has that policy in place. They already had the restrictive pursuit laws that we passed in the legislature, but I don't think that it works for every city. I think that especially in areas where it's a little bit more rural, it might make sense to allow more discretion of the officers in the department.
2: Simon, a no re- response yes, or no rebuttal? Yes, ab- absolutely. I mean, again, it, it's shocking to me that even now Sharon Shoemaker is not willing to, to acknowledge that we should at least prosecute for hard drug crimes. She's not even willing to say we should criminalize that kind of activity. Uh, furthermore, she still can't point to an actual law enforcement uh, endorsement she has from any organization but to say that it sounded reasonable at the time again this is why it's important to listen to experts in the field and every expert in the field representative shoemake told you that this was a mistake but you chose not to listen to them and that's why we're in the shape we're in time sharon a response to his rebuttal
0: Oh, goodness, I wasn't thinking. Um, I thought I was done. OK. Um, no, no, I can answer that. Um, so we actually heard from a lot of different people in Olympia. And there were people on law enforcement that disagreed with what Simon's saying. There were people that I never even heard the word Terry stop until I was sitting in Deputy Chief Almer's room, and he was explaining what the laws were doing. Again, going through those different layers of lawyers, it was really different the way that it looked on the outside. I am not an expert in law enforcement. I will absolutely agree to that. And I've been learning a lot from law enforcement organizations and what we need to do to fix it. And that's what I think is important, is when you make a mistake, you have the humility to admit that you go back and fix it.
1: Once again, we're uh, joined today by uh, Democrat Sharon Schumake and Republican Simon Sefcik. They're the candidates for the Senate seat in the 42nd District here in Whatcom County. We're, while we're on crime, um, and it's come up in, in both of your answers, mental illness that plays a role in so many troubled areas in our society, whether it's crime, policing, violence, chronic addiction, homelessness. What Are, are, are we doing enough to help people who are suffering with mental illness and what can be done at the state level? Uh, This would be Sharon first.
0: Yeah, so I think we need to do a lot of work on mental health, on physical health. That's one of the reasons that I voted to cap the price of insulin, and I've been huge on bringing down the cost of prescription drugs. When it comes to mental health, I had a whole bunch of meetings with various people to figure out what are the pieces of our systems where there's gaps. So we funded the crisis triage facility. It's a great system. Where do you go once you've been stabilized? What are the long-term psychiatric beds? What do we do when we don't have enough space in institutions like Western State? How can we get people the care they need in their communities? And we also need to look at some of the involuntary treatment act statutes. When you have someone who's walking around losing a limb because of untreated diabetes and they can't commit to them, that's not kind. That's not compassionate. We have to figure out a better way to help those people out. Regarding mental health and substance use are often intertwined, what I did not say is I don't think that drugs should be legal everywhere. What I think is that it shouldn't necessarily be a felony that follows someone around for the rest of their life. There should absolutely be consequences if you are a danger to yourself or others when it comes to using dangerous, hard drugs.
2: All right. Simon? Yeah. Well, again, I would say if if Sharon Shoemake believes that, why is it that she hasn't proposed any meaningful legislation to actually address those underlying issues? Uh, Why is it that she hasn't proposed anything to address the housing issue that we see? But but the rest of Sharon's answer, I think we do have some agreement on. I mean, I think there do need to be uh, some mandatory options for those that are suffering from mental health issues. And I, I certainly don't believe that jail is the answer to all of these problems but I think people need help And one of the most least the least compassion thing we could do is allow people to currently be on the streets without providing any type of meaningful support or help uh, you know Sharon shoemaker said that she's not an expert in law enforcement. I'm glad that she acknowledges that. I'm not either. But, Sharon, the entire point of being a legislator is to go and find the experts then. And every one of the experts, every reputable expert, told you what would happen if you voted for these laws, and you didn't listen to them. I'm glad that you now acknowledge that it was a mistake. Uh, But, again, there's a lot of people that have been victimized from the crimes that have occurred, and and I think you owe them an apology. Uh, Because, quite frankly, we can't trust the people, again, that caused the problem with the fix, And it's, again, ironic that you mentioned Eric Ritchie, considering one of the first meetings I had with Eric Ritchie was him asking me to undo the laws that you voted for two years ago. And so that's, again, why we talk all the time about having the need for a legislator that listens, that listens to those that are experts in the field. That's what I'm going to commit to do. I'm not going to pretend to understand as an expert every single area. But what I will do is commit to working to understand, to work with experts in the field so that we can find answers to these problems. But what we shouldn't do is come in with a partisan agenda. Sharon Shoemake has voted with her party more than 97 percent of the time, even though she claims to be one of the most bipartisan legislators in the entire Washington State House. I don't know how that math works, but 97 percent of the time is certainly not one of the most bipartisan legislators at all. Sharon, do you have a response? Yeah, there he
0: goes again. I mean, Simon, you're a debate champ. That's great if you want to be a lawyer. It's not very good if you want to be a legislator because you really have to work with people. All I hear from him is criticism, 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 and attacks on my record. And that 97%, over 90% of the bills that we pass in the legislature are bipartisan, with almost oftentimes we see unanimous support because most of them are things like fixing up some codes or um, smaller things. So I did have a bill on housing. Simon voted no. I've also been funding mental health care facilities, including the way station, which will be opening up soon. And I'm really proud of that work. Time?
2: Simon, the yeah. response to that? Yeah, of course, the housing bill that Sharon mentioned, of course, I should mention was so unpopular, even your own seatmate voted against your bill. Uh, There were several Democrats that reached out to me, even in Bellingham, elected officials that were, because your bill was so unpopular. But of course, yes, I'm going to go after your voting record because I believe and I feel that your voting record does not comport with the views of the people of the 42nd District. And I'm not going to apologize for fighting for the people of the 42nd District. And when there's an area where I feel you made a mistake in your voting record, you better believe I'm going to talk about it.
1: All right, so... Housing has come up. Well, let's first talk about homelessness. It's a crisis here, as in so many communities, and what can be done to help those without homes. And is the state doing enough to help? And we'll start with Simon on this one.
2: Uh, No, the state isn't doing enough to help. In fact, every single year, what the state instead does is vote for more and more laws that make the cost of housing more expensive. You know, for me, housing is personal. I grew up in Whatcom County. I love Whatcom County. I want to be able to raise a family in Whatcom County. But there's so many of us, there are thousands of people from the, the corners of Everson and Sumas to people in downtown Bellingham that feel like they're getting priced out of their own hometown. And that really, really hurts when it seems like the cost of housing goes up, when rent goes up. And we're forced to ask ourselves the question, why? What's causing this? And the answer is because of politicians in Olympia that vote every single year for the policies that make housing more expensive, more regulations that get added to the Growth Management Act. When permitting fees make up more than 28% of all housing costs, we have a serious problem. And again, the leading housing industry experts in this area agree that Sharon Shoemake's record on housing has been abysmal, and it's made it harder for people like me to someday live and grow up in the county that I love. I believe I'm one of the only renters in the Washington State Senate. I might be the only one. I want to be able to buy a home in Whatcom County. But it gets more and more difficult when we keep believing that we can over-regulate and over-tax and over-study. And by doing those things, we're going to somehow dig ourselves out of these problems. That's not the right approach. I think we need to make the permitting process easier. I think we need to build up. I think we need to build out. And I think we can do all of those things in a way that both protects the environment but also helps those that are in the middle class that want to be able to live in Whatcom County. When the average cost of a home in our county is $650,000, that is absurd. And it's only going to get worse if we continue to add regulation after regulation that makes housing more expensive. We need more single-family housing options. We do need more density. But overall, what we need most are legislators that are willing to address and tackle these issues head-on. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I've been doing. And that's what I look forward to doing. Because for me, this is personal. Sharon?
1: Uh, your response to the question?
0: So this question on homelessness.
1: Uh, about homelessness specifically.
0: Yeah, so there's lots of reasons why someone is homeless. Before the pandemic, we were at functional zero for families. And unfortunately, that is not the case anymore. We have some very vulnerable people with complicated behavioral health challenges. We have to do better. And we have to make sure that, again, we're filling in those gaps in our mental health care system. We need secure beds. We need secure detox facilities. We need facilities like the way station That save money and actually really help people. We do also have to fix our housing market, and I want to talk about the bill that Simon voted against, and that was to allow people to be able to build an ADU on their own property by right. So I said that if you're of a a lot of a certain size, you're allowed an ADU, and the you can an attached and a detached ADU. Those are garden cottages. I think if you want to do that with your own property, you should be allowed to do that. Is that controversial with some folks? Yeah, it is. It's leadership sometimes to be controversial, not to be controversial, but to pass things that are hard to do. When we look at the price of housing, Simon's citing things from the developers. I've been endorsed by affordable housing groups, tenants, programs like that, the people that are actually paying these rents, not just the people that are trying to sell it to you. The developers want to big build slots of lands all the way out. What I want to see is make sure that when we do that, it's responsible growth and that we also need to make it easier to build up. And ADUs are frankly that first step.
2: Okay, Uh, Simon, do you have a response or a rebuttal? Certainly yes. Uh, homelessness, I, I completely agree that we do need more options, and I think that's exactly why. Again, we have to have consequences when there are crimes involved, but we also need more resources for those experiencing mental health or or drug issues. And I absolutely am in favor of those things. Again, this this uh, the only thing bipartisan about Representative Schumak's ADU bill was the fact that Republicans and Democrats equally didn't like it uh, because it wouldn't have made housing more it would have made housing more expensive and less accessible to people.
0: Time. Do I get a rebuttal to that? Yes, you do. That was absurd. Building ADUs are affordable options because you can build them in your yard. You don't necessarily have to pay the land. I think we pay way too much in fees and permitting costs. I'm really excited about Bellingham expanding access to ADUs. I think they end up being a place where if you want to age in place, you can sell your big home when you don't need it for kids anymore. My husband and I are thinking about that in the future as we think about ways to redo our home. And then you could also have a kid living there.
2: Can can
1: I respond to that? Well, uh, we didn't really have that in our format, but uh, let me let me just go uh, along these lines because uh, um, we you know focusing on homelessness because we got here in Bellingham in Seattle, uh, Tacoma, so many communities of all sizes are trying to deal with the issue of people living on the streets and people camping in parks and under overpasses, and uh, we've got a number of different. Um, attempts to help these folks i mean as far as uh and and pro, uh, proposals whether it's our our v parking lots or places lot where people can live in their cars or even campsites or uh tiny homes uh tiny home villages that do you have thoughts on what can be done on pretty much the near near time you know near time frame as far as helping
2: people who are living on the streets right now. And I guess this would go to Simon first. Sure. So as a member in the Senate on the housing committee, I worked actually uh, with a Democrat, a senator, on this exact issue of of tiny homes and how do we fit that with SEPA and and the GMA and and our different environmental policies. And one of the ideas that I've had that had bipartisan consensus was that if we're going to expand those tiny home projects, for example, we need to at least require uh, different types of uh, drug counseling services, uh, mental health services so that people aren't necessarily using drugs in uh, tiny home villages because that doesn't ultimately help anyone. So I, I think that we do need to look into those options. But let's be clear about something. We are not Going to address the homelessness issue and solve it in Whatcom County by just building more tiny homes. We also have to fix our permitting process. I'm glad here that a a few seconds ago Sharon Shoemaker agrees that the permitting process is too difficult. My question would then be, why is it that every single year, uh, Sharon and many members of her party end up voting for the very laws that make permitting so expensive? The developers that are apparently these these uh, evil developers will be the ones that will tell you that permitting is extraordinarily expensive. And it's because of policies that Sharon Shoemake supports and votes for. So while we can invest in tiny home projects, we also need to look at the missing middle. We need to look at our different housing ladders so that uh, people can uh, buy homes, gain equity, and end up living the American dream. Homeownership is still something that is very, very desirable. But when we vote every year for different policies that make those things harder, it seems like the American dream gets further and further out of reach for the average family. And that's why, you know, I've said before, if you're a millionaire or a billionaire in Seattle, maybe you can afford to, to move up to Whatcom County. The electrification mandates or the permitting fees, they don't necessarily impact you as much. But if you've worked here, if you've grown up here, if you're not one of those people, it matters to you. Those policies make housing more expensive, and they price you out of your home. I mean, I have good friends that have left this area, moved to Idaho, because housing simply too expensive for them, and that's a big problem. All right, Sharon?
0: So Simon's idea of requiring substance use uh, counselors at tiny homes, that actually makes it a lot more expensive. That's one of the barriers to doing a lot of the affordable housing projects is the requirement for all the programming space. There are people that need that and we should absolutely be helping them get that. But a lot of the tiny home villages we have require sobriety as a part of it. And that's because you get that better behavior and there are people that are maybe recovering from addiction why would they need counselors? Why would they need drug counselors? Why would we put those kind of requirements? So you hear it from Simon too. Um, I will vote for things that pass a cost-benefit analysis. If that's the kind of regulation we're looking, I'm not going to vote for it if it doesn't pass a cost-benefit analysis. I would love to see more RVs and mobile parks, home parks. The hard part is where to cite them. Um, I also think that, you know, Simon mentioned the missing middle. We did have a missing middle bill, and you cannot build affordability city by city. We are in an equilibrium with each other. When Bellingham doesn't build enough, people move all the way to Ferndale. Um, People are moving out to Everson that have connections in Bellingham because they simply can't find affordable housing here. And so the missing middle bill was a way to solve that. We thought we had Republican support on that. They all clamped down on it. And then my little ADU bill was the first step towards that missing middle bill. They all clamped down against that too. And I don't know why they decided to do that. It had been Republican policy beforehand.
2: Well, Well, again, let's be clear. When we say that they clamped down on it, you're talking about your own seatmate as well that thought your bill was that unpopular. Uh, But again... There are all types of policies that we can enact, but our answer to affordable housing isn't going to be people living in trailer parks. That's not what people want. People want to be able to own a home, uh, a single-family residence oftentimes. And so we need to be way more expansive in the way that we think about that, not just saying we want people to live in trailer parks and tiny homes. That's not our answer. That's not a comprehensive answer at all on affordable housing.
0: Time?
1: And you have another 30 seconds if you want to use it, Sharon.
0: Simon, where did I say that people only wanted to live in trailer parks and tiny homes? That's not what I said. What I said is that we need to have lots of different options around the spectrum. There are people that do want to live in tiny homes. There's a whole movement about that. And tiny homes are basically fancy mobile homes or fancy trailers. I think what we've done is we've decided that everyone has the same dream. And we've mandated that they all have that same dream. My mom grew up in a house that would have been condemned. And she was always glad that she had a home.
1: All right. uh, With us today, Republican Simon Sefcik and Democrat Sharon Shoemake. They are the two candidates for the 42nd District State Senate seat here in Whatcom County. And we'll take a very quick break and be back with more as our debate slash forum continues here on KGMI Connects.
0: We're taking your calls live on
1: KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. Well, we are live, but we're not taking your calls today. We've got uh, two candidates for state senate here in our studio. Joining us are Democrat Sharon Shoemaker and Republican Simon Sefsick, answering questions. We can't take calls from the audience, but uh, we're presenting them uh, opportunities to answer specific questions about Issues that are affecting all of us, and uh, once again, thanks to both of you for coming and being part of this today. Uh, let's move on to uh, well, let's let's just start with this one. Uh, what's your take on emergency measures taken here in Washington to deal with the pandemic? And I think are we at uh, Sharon to start today on, on this question?
0: Oh goodness, the last four, the last two years have been really hard, especially with the pandemic. We saw all the issues with the schools. Our family was subjected to that. It was 14-hour days when I was trying to put my classes in. Um, I think one of the big problems is that they just had to be so expansive. I did not agree with a lot of what the governor did. And one of the things that I was constantly doing was calling the governor's office when I heard from people. And we got some wins out of that. We got some help for Point Roberts. We helped out the cottage food industry. We helped to get some regulations changed a little bit on indoor gyms and some other places. Um, I do think that we had, we kept people safe. I think that's really important. Uh, Some of the mask mandates, they probably went on for too long. The school closures, looking back now, they really went on for too long. And we learned a lot about how parks didn't necessarily need to be closed. We didn't need to shut down high school sports. Um, And now once the vaccines are out, we are just in a really different scenario. I understand there are people that are immunocompromised and really scared still. But I think the fact that we have therapeutics now, that we have vaccines, that we have access to masks, it's really changed the game. So it's still really difficult. I teach at the university. um, This quarter just started, but when I was teaching spring quarter, we had so many days where there was a COVID exposure and nobody would show up. So I had to teach in person and on Zoom, and it was really hard. I had a lot of students that I had to spend so much extra time on making sure they didn't fail out of my class. I hate failing people. I work really hard to make sure that we can bring them up to a level where I feel comfortable giving them a passing grade in a class. And so we spent a lot of one-on-one time with students that had so many things going on in their life. I know there are so many things going on in other young people's lives. And I think what's most important is that we're kind to each other and we give each other grace.
2: All right. Uh, Simon? I I agree with a lot of that. You know, I think, and and I I appreciate Representative Shoemaker because, uh, It's not fun to learn with Zoom, and I would imagine it's not fun to teach uh, using Zoom either. I still hate doing meetings on Zoom. So it's very, very difficult, and the, the pandemic has been challenging. Of course, I think that the governor, the fact that we're still under a state of emergency more than 900 days in, to me, is a real shame. And it's exact proof of why, regardless of whether you're Republican or Democrat, there needs a needs to be a bipartisan push for emergency powers reform. Even once the state of emergency ends, conveniently on October 31st, I hope— uh, that next year in the legislative session both parties will come forward with a strong bill about emergency powers reform because this shouldn't have to be a partisan issue. You know, I hope that Representative Shoemake uh, acknowledges and is supportive of some of those transportation employees, for example, that got fired and weren't even allowed to drive a snow truck by themselves to clean off our highways and they lost their jobs because of that. I didn't hear much from Sharon shoemaker when those people lost their jobs or when businesses got shut down. And that's really, really unfortunate. But overall, I do agree. I think this is still something where we need to show grace and we need to be willing to look back and understand when we've made mistakes and understand how to not make those mistakes in the future. I'm not going to pretend that uh, all of these problems are are going to go away, but I certainly think we have to acknowledge when we went too far. And there are people that have lost their jobs, people that have lost their livelihoods, and of course people that have lost their lives from the pandemic. And all of those things are serious matters. Uh, But what is really unfortunate, again, is when one person in one branch of government has the ability to fire you or basically shut down your business. And while big companies and big corporations are allowed to stay open, the small mom and pops aren't able to. There's no consistency to that. There's no science behind that. Ultimately, it's about playing political games and following political science rather than actual science.
1: Sharon, do you have a response or rebuttal?
0: Yeah, I don't think it was a political maneuver. I think it was just government couldn't move that fast to get better policy. They had laws saying that grocery stores could maintain open, but shoe stores couldn't. Well, that really hurt that mom-and-pop shoe store because Walmart could still show, sell shoes if they also sold groceries. I think we owe a big debt to those communities, and that's one of the reasons I'm really proud that we cut the B&O tax in the budget, that we expanded exemptions, and that we spent a whole lot of that budget buying down the unemployment insurance premiums.
1: And Simon? That anything more to add to that?
2: No, I mean, the, the only thing I'd add to that, of course, is I think we need tax relief for those small businesses that are still getting hurt. And again, I think it is an acknowledgment that you can't blame people for being constantly frustrated and questioning the quote-unquote science when one store is allowed to, to be open and the other isn't. There's ample understanding as to why that would cause frustration. But what I've heard from Sharon shoemaker for the past two years on social media has been pretty much blaming Republicans and the Republican Party for these problems, uh, when in reality, I think this is something that there's frustration about on both sides. Time.
1: All right, let's move on to the environment and climate change. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions has been a priority in Olympia. Is that a good thing? And are we taking the right steps to reach the goals set by Governor Inslee and others? And Simon, you're first this time.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there need to be steps that are taken to ensure that we address climate change and that we have a healthy environment. You know, I think the fact that there's we're still dealing with all sorts of, of spillage going on down, down south in more urban areas that needs to be addressed and investigated. Uh, what I don't think is necessarily possible or pragmatic is to try to mandate by 2030, for example, uh, all uh, commercial building and all residential building has to be net electric. I think that's an example of a tax on the poor and a tax on the middle class. And so I think we can work to achieve a healthier, safer environment. But I don't think the way that we do that is are through these electrification mandates that, again, Again, when we talk about housing cost, what is that going to do to housing? It's only going to increase the cost of housing and make it harder and harder for people in the middle class, for people in the lower class uh, to get by. And it'll, it'll make housing more expensive for young people as well. And so, you know, there have been steps that have been taken uh, by the governor's office, some bipartisan, some very partisan, uh, and I think that we need to study those areas seriously. But what I don't think we need to do are in, end up punishing our own businesses, our small businesses especially, and punish people that want to buy home or want want to buy homes or want to build uh, because of Uh, energy mandates that aren't necessarily scientific and that don't make sense. Uh, You know, I would hope that as an economist, Sharon Shoemaker would would acknowledge that these do serve to be taxes, again, on sometimes the least fortunate. And we can, we don't have to choose and we shouldn't have to choose in Whatcom County between uh, clean air and a healthy environment and clean water and being able to have a good paying job and a living wage and being able to, to live in a home. And those, unfortunately, I feel like sometimes are things that are, are far too partisan, when in reality, I think there are areas that, that we can agree. You know, I've, I've been endorsed by uh, labor unions that haven't endorsed Republicans in decades, exactly because of this message that we can have a healthy environment, but sometimes the majority party has just gone too far on some of these areas. And I think that's gonna end up hurting, uh, again, the average family in Whatcom County. Time? Sharon?
0: So I'd like to just point out that I didn't hear any solutions in that argument. Um, I've spent my life working on environmental economics, and one of the lessons that we've learned from economists working on this is that clean air and clean water is not just good for the planet, but it's also good for the economy. Asthma is really expensive. When people have to go to the ER, and my brother had asthma growing up, it was really, really scary. So climate change is real man-made and worth addressing, and we did the big thing with the Climate Commitment Act. Now the question is, we have this big energy transition. We have put up the architecture, and by the way, the Climate Commitment Act is modeled after a Republican policy. George H.W. Bush, Arnold Schwarzenegger passed something similar. George H.W. Bush did this on acid rain, and the costs were about a tenth of what we expected, and the benefits were much higher. Now what we have to do is we have to figure out how to guide this transition that doesn't leave out the little guy, that brings in farmers, that creates jobs, and that makes this so everyone really benefits from this. Another big thing that I think is really exciting and we need to do more work on is salmon recovery. We have a lot of fishers in this community. It's an important resource. It's an important part of our economy. And we can build a better salmon infrastructure. We can build. Um, Make sure that we have more salmon habitat. We can think through this. You know, there used to be salmon that were six feet long going through the Columbia. And I was listening to an elder saying that they could walk across the backs of the salmon. They were so plentiful in the Nooksack River. And I think that's really exciting, and I'm excited to continue to work on these policies.
2: Simon? Well, you know, again, I'm not sure that we heard very many solutions from that answer either, other than uh, the Climate Commitment Act. For those of you that are wondering, yeah, that's the bill that's going to increase the cost of your gasoline in January next year. So when you're frustrated by high gas prices, remember that Sharon Shoemake voted to to increase the the cost of of your your basic goods and and gas. Uh, Of course, I think we we do need uh, to increase our salmon population. I'm in favor of hatcheries. I think they make sense. And I hope Sharon Shoemake is in favor of them as well.
1: You have a response, Sharon?
0: It's not just hatcheries. There's a lot more than hatcheries. A large part of it is habitat. There are some things that we don't fully understand about what's going on in the Pacific Ocean and the food availability. We also have to think the hatcheries are a part of the solution. Um, another big part of it is what are the things that we're putting into the water? So you might have heard about the substance that's in the tires. What's an alternative to that? What can we figure out a way to make sure that there's cool, clean water for the salmon um, as an important habitat? All
1: right. Uh, now we'll go on to transportation. Uh, are we investing enough in our infrastructure and should we be fo- focused more on public or personal transportation? I guess this would be Simon, uh, Sharon first, sorry.
0: Um, what do you mean by personal or public transportation? A uh,
1: personal would be automobiles, oh, okay. that sort of thing, uh, gotcha. as opposed to public transportation
0: so I I think we need some of both (laughs) Um, people cars are warm they're cozy they hold your stuff and they help you get where you need to go Um, I ride the bus often back and forth to school my kids think it's really fun to be able to take the bus and go to the store Um, I think we actually have a pretty good transportation system here there's definitely things that we can improve some intersections that need some work um, Bell Road raising Slater Road a lot of work on flood resilience especially in East County Um, But one of the things that politicians really like to do is they really like to be at ribbon cuttings. They always want to add a new road, sometimes when that's not necessarily the right thing to do, or add extra lanes. Traffic doesn't stop coming just because you added extra lanes. What we don't spend enough money on then is we don't spend enough money on maintenance and operations. That is really important. I want to make sure that our roads are smooth, that you're not driving through a whole bunch of potholes, and that our bridges are well-maintained. So, One of the pieces in transportation, if you want to bring money home to Whatcom, and I've been pretty successful at that, is you have to be able to work well with others. You have to be able to hear from other people. You have to really deeply listen. Not just say that you're listening, but really actually listen. And I've been really successful in that in the transportation sphere.
2: Well, again, I'll I'll remind people that you weren't very successful with that when it comes to public safety, and you really didn't listen to any of the experts in the field, including a single local police chief. Uh, But when it comes to transportation, uh, I think there's a lot of truth in in what Representative Schumach just said. Yeah, it shouldn't just be ribbon cuttings. We need to actually invest in our maintenance and traditional infrastructure uh, programs and projects. You know, I was opposed to the $16 billion transportation uh, budget that came out this year. Uh, When it was originally proposed, Joe, to give you an idea— It was a uh, they proposed a export fuel tax on every gallon of gas that exits the state of Washington, which would have not only been constitutional opposed to the Commerce Clause, but it also would have been about a one point one billion dollar tax on Whatcom County uh, businesses alone. And in return. So think about that. Whatcom County pays one point one billion dollars in return. The majority party gave about eight million dollars in the first proposal to the transportation budget to Whatcom County. That's exactly the problem, that the money doesn't necessarily come back to Whatcom County, even though sometimes we pay a disproportionate price. And so I think that we need less taxes. Uh, again, we've seen fees for our transportation budget continue to rise. Representative Shoemake uh, votes for our gas costs to rise continually to fund transportation. And I think there are better projects to invest in traditional infrastructure, roads, bridges, potholes, fixing those things, instead of, for example, focusing on Free bicycles for everybody. Look, I love free bicycles. I have no problem with it inherently, but we need to get our priorities straight first when it comes to traditional infrastructure projects. And I think that's something where Sharon and I are on the same page. Sharon, do you have a rebuttal?
0: Yeah, so one thing is i say that Alicia and I were the ones that ended the export fuel tax. Um, I actually heard from refineries that they acknowledged that it was our work that was able to stop that from going through. The transportation package had a lot of good stuff on it. One was elevating Slater Road, which we know is a real problem every time it floods, and it floods pretty often. Um, It cuts off Lummi Reservation, Lummi Island, the refineries, and it backs up all of her And also in that transportation package is the Kendall Trail, which is just incredibly important for those kids. And also minors are going to get to ride free on public transit now.
1: Uh, Sharon's mentioned a couple of times uh, flooding. That was a huge issue, and it has been an ongoing issue here in Whatcom County. And uh, some people that were affected by the flooding, especially, said there's something there. There's more that can be done. Uh, both and there's so there are a lot of parties involved in this, but. Uh, what could the state do to um, alleviate some of this and be proactive uh, against what we see on a regular basis in that Nooksack River Basin? So I guess this would start with Simon.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... The first thing we have to do is acknowledge that, I mean, it's heartbreaking right now that there are still people, um, you know, living in trailers. There are still people that are living in their friend's home. I mean, I I talked even a couple weeks ago out in Sumas uh, to a young family where their children are sleeping in a garage in sleeping bags at a friend's house because they still haven't been able to move back into their home. That is a shame. And... The not, not only do we need more flood relief, I was happy to work and secure uh, flood relief funding to go to individual assistance for those people that suffered uh, from the flooding, even though Sharon Shoemake uh, claimed I had no role in it. Uh, but we also need to address the long-term solutions as well. And so I do think that involves uh, more water storage options in the Nooksack River Basin. I think that involves, for example, some level of strategic sediment removal. And, of course, where and how all those things happen, uh, you know, there's the project going on in, in the South Everson uh, side channel area. To give you an example, uh, Joe, the permitting cost for that project that some of you may have read about in the news was about $80,000. The actual cost of the project, Joe, was about 8 000 thousand dollars that's exactly the problem a project should not cost one tenth of the permitting cost for that project and so we need to make it easier to to continue to address these issues because otherwise we're going to be in the same same boat that we were in november and that was my fear you know i held meetings about this uh, back in january even my fear was that we were going to talk and talk and talk but that when november came again no real action has been done about the river and there are people right now that are scared to death that after the thousands of dollars they've spent on their home, it's going to get ruined again, or they're going to have to move out of the area. But, of course, Joe, then we have the problem, where did you move to when housing is so expensive throughout all of Whatcom County? What good options are there? And so we need to address the Nooksack River. Uh, we need individual assistance programs, and we need to be serious about this problem rather than just saying we're going to study it and study it and study it. You can't study problems to death. All right, Sharon?
0: Yeah, so as soon as it was safe to travel, I was out joining the work crew, helping slop out people's houses, That some of which were my friends, some of which had no idea their state representative was cleaning their shelves with them. Um, the individual assistance program that comes through FEMA, so that's what helps people out that have been a victim of the flood, it's way too slow. And it's not flexible enough. I have friends that were flooded, and they would get a place to stay for... Um, no, this
1: is her first answer. I was like that our was timer nuts. was off a little bit <laughs> <laughs> sorry um
0: they were staying in a hotel that was a hundred dollars a night and then they had to pay for food on top of that if we had instead figured out a way to give them a hundred dollars per day per diem they could have figured out a much better way to get through that so i have a group of people trying to figure out the legality of this, how we can make a more flexible individual assistance program. Um, I think we also need to figure out a way to build a safer Nooksack River system. And yeah, it is going to be a lot in permitting costs. And I don't think we're going to, this is a federal, state, local permitting cost. It's a problem. And if I could wave a magic wand and make sure we made better decisions without it, I absolutely would. But you end Eventually, you need to have a project you can permit. Doug Erickson had that bill that dredged the Nooksack. Act. Year after year after year, he introduced it, and it never got anywhere. I do not want to continue to fail like that. I want to make sure that when the river gets really high and it overtops the levee at Everson, we have a place, we have a floodway that's free of homes, that's able to get that water safely, put, protect the homes around it with some ring dikes and get it all the way to Canada in a place that they're willing to receive it. On Thursday, I'm going to go meet with some Canadians. We're going to see some tours of their land. I've done the same thing on this side, meeting with the Canadians, with the different agencies, having conversations with the different mayors of these areas, the the regulators, the county river and flood. And that's how you do this building. It's really, really important work, and I'm proud to support it.
1: Simon, do you have a response?
2: Well, I, I actually appreciate... Sharon's answer on that, because I mean, I think this is an example to the listeners again that are that are listening right now. You've seen where Sharon and I clearly disagree. And I think those disagreements are healthy. But I think flooding is an example where you're right. At the end of the day, Uh, people were getting rescued out of their homes and nobody cared whether you were a Republican or Democrat, you help your neighbor first. And so I think in some ways, this has been a good example of where uh, we can find common ground and where Whatcom County, uh, even in the darkness has, has been able to find some source of light and hope and and has brought our community together.
1: You have a, Th- yeah. A 30 second response.
2: I could okay.
0: always talk more about flooding. Okay. Um, I think one of the other things that we didn't do well is the response to the flooding. I feel like we could have been more prepared. And what I heard is this was sometimes some of this was we didn't have people practicing enough during COVID that was shut down. Um, but when you have people that are being pulled out of the homes by someone on a front loader, I'm so glad those people were there. But I also wonder can we do better and can we work out a system so that we could have been bringing up boats from other parts of the county and had a little bit more preparation so everyone was safer. All
1: right, uh, let's move on to education and child care. Uh, is the state investing enough in K through 12 and early childhood education? And this would start with Sharon.
0: Yeah, so everyone deserves good schools. Every kid here deserves a, a plus education. Um, I do not think that the question of how we should invest, I think what we need to do is we need to make it more equitable. So we have pretty good schools in Whatcom County and that's great, but we know that there are school districts that have lower property values overall and they really struggle raising those funds. And so I think a larger portion of school funding should be coming from the state with lower local levies. We're all the same taxpayers that are funding it, but I care if a kid in Yakima gets a good education. I care if a kid in Bellevue gets a good education and I think the kids in Bellevue do too because these are all gonna be part of our community. Um, My kids are in public school right now, I'm really proud and we've loved their teachers. I think we have a great education system in Whatcom. Can it always be better? Of course. Um, As for early learning, early learning is one of the most cost-effective investments we can make. For every $1 we spend, we get about $7 to $9 worth of benefits. It's good for the kids, it's good for the parents. And when we see a three-year-old learn to sit and listen, they're more likely to succeed in kindergarten all the rest of the way through their career so that we see about half of those benefits are reduced costs of incarceration and lower social services. I think that's really, really important and a fantastic way to spend more money. We have increased the early learning budget. I'd like to see us make it more affordable for even more people. This should be considered part of K-12 through and part of a basic education.
1: Simon?
2: Yeah, you know, I think education and early Childhood Learning are examples where there is a lot of of bipartisan consensus. I think the way that we fund it and how much we fund it are, are areas of disagreement. Um, but, you know, we, we talk about school districts and academic performance. You know, the Mount Baker School District right now, 75 percent, according to the last report, of students are not performing adequately in subjects like mathematics. So we do have issues. But, but I absolutely agree. It matters to us whether it's, it's a student in Yakima, whether it's a student down in Vancouver, or whether it's a student up in Blaine or in Mount Baker. And I think that is why we need more choice in education. I think we need more opportunities for uh, parents and for children to make sure that the money follows the backpacks of students. Uh, and doesn't necessarily go to a system that just may not work for some families or for some students. You know, I know Sharon Shoemake a few days ago posted sort of an odd video, uh, like a TikTok, accusing me of wanting to defund our schools. Um, if if I wanted to defund our schools because I voted against a bill that I didn't feel responsibly funded education, then Sharon Shoemake, following that line of reasoning, believes in defunding the police. I mean, if we're going to throw the word defund around because we have disagreements about. Uh, different ways of of funding our education then we can play that game but ultimately I'm concerned in making sure that every student in Washington does get a world-class education and that we don't have 75 percent of students that aren't meeting those basic requirements and I think that there's areas where we can find a bipartisan consensus on how to do that Uh, and again I think school choice is is a great example Uh, of where projects can be successful. I think uh, different types of apprenticeship programs and technical programs will also be helpful as we address the workforce issue that we're saying for those that come out of our public education system, because there's a lot of students that uh, maybe college isn't necessarily the right pick for them, but they should be allowed to go into the trades and find an option that works for them. And so we need to be expansive in the way that we think about education. This is something that, Really, really excites me, and I think that there's a lot of uh, area for improvement in the state of Washington.
1: Sharon, so a rebuttal.
0: I've I've never wanted to defund the police. I've never voted to cut police budgets. Simon has voted against funding in the budget to cut police. Um, Simon has voted against police funding in the budget. He also did vote specifically on a bill that cuts would have. If his way had passed, it would have been $7.5 less to Whatcom County schools. And that funding, speaking about listening, the school superintendents all begged us to pass that bill. They said it was really, really important because what we saw is we saw in COVID a drop in enrollment. And then those students didn't just disappear. The teachers needed to be funded throughout the entire time.
2: I mean, again, I can't make some of this stuff up. Uh, Talking about begging, uh, again, police chiefs were begging you to not vote for those law enforcement bills, but you voted and and disagreed with them. Uh, If I believe in defunding the police, why is it, Sharon, that every single law enforcement organization that makes endorsements has endorsed me, not you? I mean, that's a very fair question. Why is it, do you think, that not a single law enforcement organization has endorsed in your campaign? And the reason is because they know that I support law enforcement, and I think we need to fund them in a responsible manner.
1: We're talking with or hearing from Republican Simon Sefcik and Democrat Sharon Shoemake. They are the candidates for the state Senate seat here in the 42nd District in Whatcom County. We'll take a very quick break, and uh, you both said you could stick around for a little longer than an hour. we would love to. Well, we'll be right back here on KGMI Connects. The voice of Northwest Washington for over 90 years. KGMI and KISM HD2 Bellingham.
2: From the West Mechanical Studio.
1: And we're back here on KGMI, an extended version, I guess, of KGMI Connects. We're honored to have the two candidates for State Senate here from the 42nd District in Whatcom County with us today, Republican Simon Sefcik, Democrat Sharon shoemaker both answering our questions. And we will post this uh, forum on our website as a podcast as well. So if you haven't been able to hear all of it and uh, or know of someone who hasn't been able to hear any of it, you can have them go to KGMI.com, we'll get it up there. Uh, we uh, ended the last hour talking about education, so let's stay on that uh, topic. And one of the more uh, controversial, I guess, uh, laws passed in recent years involved sex education and uh, mandatory sex education in our K-12 schools, and um, I'd like to get your take on that, and uh, we'll start now with Simon.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I had my fair share of disagreements with uh, different parts of the curriculum and and the way that it's being taught and the way uh, that it it may be rolled out in different school districts. So I think uh, there's ample room and opportunity to uh, look at that curriculum and look for ways to uh, address it and improve it. Uh, You know, I think partly when it comes to education one of the big focuses that we need to, to get back to is just basic reading writing arithmetic you know obviously there's dis- different uh, social cognitive emotional parts uh, that go into education uh, but we need to make sure that we're excelling in in those basic things. Uh, and again, when our students, when 75% of students in some school districts aren't, uh, you know, meeting their requirements when it comes to mathematics, I think that's indicative that we need to spend our our time, resources, and energy on those sorts of things. And you know, when you get into some of those sorts of subjects, I think oftentimes that's a conversation that best occurs uh, at the home. Uh, with parents and not necessarily in a school setting. That's not necessarily something that school teachers uh, want to necessarily get into, and that's not something that they're necessarily equipped to get into. That's something that ultimately should go back to uh, the parent. And so that's, again, why I'm a big proponent in making sure that money follows the backpacks of students uh, so that your child and so that you as a parent can have a choice in these types of curriculum decisions and in this education. Sharon?
0: So for a child to learn mathematics and for them to learn reading. They also have to feel comfortable and safe in a school district. And that's why the social and emotional learning aspect of it is really important. They have to understand what is expected of them. I have two little kids, and at the time that we passed that bill, I had a kindergartner. The Republicans were saying that we were trying to teach kindergartners how to have sex. I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. My kids don't even understand what that means yet. What we were trying to do is we were trying to teach them your body is your own, and if anyone touches you, I want you to report it. They also need to know the real names of their organs because there was a little girl in Whatcom County who reported that someone was touching her cookie, and it took way too long for people to figure out what she meant by that, and she was abused for much too long. So it is important for kids to learn consent, and that starts at early ages where they can say, I don't want that hug. I don't want you to touch me this way. Let me tell you, that five-year-old, he's six now, and he doesn't like hugs in lots of different ways. I'm not allowed to kiss him on his face, only his head. Um, and that is fine. <laughs> um, the other thing too is that we need to make sure that we're doing a science-based education that keeps kids safe. I would love it if parents talked to their kids about sex. That would be fantastic, but we know not every kid does. And we know that when school comes back, that's when reports of abuse go up. And that's because the teachers are the people that those kids feel safe reporting to. And I do not want to let down any one of those kids. I think this is so critical.
2: Simon do you have a response Well no I mean I, I think the, those goals are certainly ones where we we share mutual interest and and certainly we need to to make sure uh, that we're we're teaching age appropriate uh, sex ed to to again kids that fit that exact curriculum and those criteria. You know, I think there's some frustration uh, that sometimes, uh, maybe whether it's certain teachers or or whatever it is, go too far on some of these subjects in school districts. And that's why I think, again, parents should have the choice if they feel like uh, that's not the best pick for their child. Sharon, do you have a response?
0: So one of the things we did in the bill is we actually made it that you have a right to be able to opt out and to look at the sex ed curriculum. I do think that's really important. And as for teachers messing up, sometimes I'm a teacher, sometimes I mess up. Um, you can't blame all of teachers for a few mess ups. And if Simon wants to talk about how he can be the only one on public safety, I'm the only one that's been endorsed by educators, by teachers and people across that education spectrum.
2: Well, I, I never asked and I never said all teachers believe that uh, okay. or anything like that, so... Okay. That's another stretch.
1: All right. Um, let's move on to tax policy. And Washington said to have the most regressive tax policy of any of the 50 states. That means low- and middle-income earners pay a greater percentage of their worth than the wealthy do in taxes. Is the recently enacted capital gains tax a legitimate way to address this inequality, and are there other steps that should be taken? We'll start with
0: Sharon. So I do not support an income tax. My opponent is going to say that I voted for an income tax and he is trying to have an argument over the definition of income tax. What I do support is rich people paying their fair share. I think regular working people pay too much in taxes, and I'd love to figure out how to reduce that, but at the same time, I don't want to cut school funding, I don't want to cut social services. I know that these are things that we need for a strong economy to take care of one another, and so we gotta figure out how to replace that. Um, I wish that there was a part of the budget that was just waste that we could line item and get rid of, there's not. and so we have to figure out that how do we replace those taxes so that they don't fall on working people. My record shows that I have cut taxes for folks in Whatcom County. I cut taxes for anyone selling a home that's $1.5 million or less. Are you paying a little bit more if you're selling a home for $1.5 million or more? Yeah. And you can afford to. I think that's fair.
2: Simon? Well, I'm actually not the one that's going to necessarily say that you voted for an income tax. You don't have to just listen to my word. You can listen to the IRS, which was literally asked about this and said that an income tax on capital gains is indeed exactly that, an income tax. You don't just have to listen to me, Sharon. You can listen to the recent uh, court decision that came out of Douglas County that found that that bill that you just referenced that you voted for was recently found to be unconstitutional. Hmm. Well, why is that? Maybe because it is a dot, dot, dot income tax. And so four years ago, you were elected off the promise that you wouldn't support an income tax. Two years ago, you were elected off the promise that you wouldn't support an income tax. And then several months later, you turned around and you voted exactly for that, an income tax on capital gains, which the IRS has acknowledged is an income tax. The Department of Commerce has acknowledged is an income tax. And again, our court system is acknowledging is an income tax. And so you just said, I want to have a debate about what an income tax is. And that's, uh, again, a debate that's sort of already been, been settled. It's partly being adjudicated through the court process right now, Uh, but maybe the reason I'd want to get into that is because it's very, very important, partially because you promised that you wouldn't support something like that, and then you turned around and voted for it, Uh, but also because it really does matter. The fact that we don't have an income tax in Washington state attracts all kinds of businesses and economic revenue to our state, and so that's why I am adamantly opposed to an income tax. I don't think the income tax on capital gains that she voted for is the right answer, and and again, I, I guess I would just love to hear an explanation as to how on earth that is not an income tax when uh, every reputable organization on this subject has pretty much acknowledged it. Pretty much the only people that haven't acknowledged that it's an income tax are the politicians in Olympia that wrote the bill and voted for it. Uh, and again, that's exactly, I think, why... We can be straight up. Just say you support an income tax, move on, be up front to the voters about it. But don't say that you're not going to support an income tax and then go and vote for exactly that in the legislative session.
0: Four Karen? years ago in a forum, I said that I don't support an income tax on labor, but I do support a tax on capital gains. And I said the reason I support a capital gains tax is because my opponent wants a tax that people in Whatcom County pay for. I want a tax that the super wealthy in Seattle pay for. And I had a lot of nods from the Doug Erickson side of the room there. Again, Simon just wants to argue definitions in case law. I want to argue, what is it going to take to get it so that you keep more of your money if you're a regular working class person?
2: uh, Again, I think it's funny that the economist isn't willing to jump into economic definitions or case law about legislation that you voted for. Of course I'm interested in that because it's very, very relevant. And the fact of the matter is that you've now basically just acknowledged that it is an income tax, that you voted for it. And so I, I guess I'm glad. But again, just be straight up with the voters next time. Tell them you support an income tax. Acknowledge that you voted for it. You've also claimed you believe in cutting the sales tax by 1%, but you haven't proposed any meaningful legislation to do that.
0: Simon, I was straight up.
1: Okay, let's uh, move on. Uh, our Let's uh, kind of in, in that same realm employment and jobs, are recent increases in the minimum wage having the desired effect? Uh, this would start with Simon, I believe.
2: So, so the, the question is whether or not the minimum
1: wage has the desired effect? The, the increases that we've had here in Washington State. Uh, are, as, I guess, is it a positive?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that the increase in the minimum wage has been good for small businesses. I think that again, sometimes the the larger corporations are the ones that can afford it. And the smaller mom and pops are the ones that get hit most by this. Of course, it's ironic, uh, Sharon Shoemake is still claiming that my campaign is being supported by corporate interest and that she doesn't accept any corporate money when she just got $80,000 from the Senate Democrats who get, guess what, a whole bunch of corporate money. She also claims that my campaign is being bankrolled by the NRA and that I'm bought and paid for by the NRA, which is ironic considering I've gotten a whooping $0 from the NRA for my campaign. Uh, And so, yeah, I don't think the minimum wage uh, increase is going to be good for small businesses. I think sometimes it ends up helping, ironically enough, the very, very large corporations, and it hurts, again, those that are oftentimes the most vulnerable. And so I think there are different opportunities, again, like tax relief, like not supporting the 22 of the new taxes that have been passed since 2018. But Sharon Shoemake's answer has been to vote for the new regulations, the new taxes that make it harder for small businesses to get by, that make it harder for the average worker to get a living wage, and that make these things more and more difficult. And so, again, that's why we need to return affordability to Whatcom County. Why is it that during a year of a $15 billion budget surplus, Sharon Shoemaker didn't support any type of meaningful tax relief to the people who needed it the most? That's a very common sense example of something that I think would have really helped people. But yet again, it was another missed opportunity because there's this, I believe, mentality in Olympia that a group of politicians and bureaucrats in a far distant capital know how to spend your money and run your lives better than you do. I disagree with that. I think giving money back to the people through tax relief and reducing taxes is one of the best ways to empower our middle class, which right now is diminishing. I mean, we know what the problems are. We know what the challenges are in Whatcom County. The question is whether we have the courage to be serious about it, to own up to it, and to elect leaders that will help address these fundamental problems.
1: Sharon, uh, the minimum wage increases, are they they having the desired effect? Are they a positive
0: Um, So UW did some studies on the minimum wage, and one of the big concerns is that if you increase the wage, does it increase unemployment? And we haven't seen that effect according to some of this UW research. Um, There's been a lot of studies on this using different kinds of data. We actually talk about it in my class if anyone wants to take Econ 206 with me. um, it's It's probably not my best policy to... Help out people who are really struggling. I think the earned income tax credit and the working families tax rebate, which we will be getting next year, thanks to Democrats figuring out how to fund that is really important. When Simon pivots to taxes and his little rant over and over again, what he's not telling you is how he's going to pay for those tax increases. I don't want to cut your schools. I don't want to cut social services. What I want to do is I want to make sure that rich people pay for it. And instead, he'd rather have a case law argument about, what an income tax means versus what a capital gains tax means.
2: I mean, again, I, I'm sort of shocked that I'm having to explain this to an economist, but we had a $15 billion budget surplus. We can still fund those things. I think that the bigger fact is that we had a $15 billion budget surplus, and you and your party didn't find a single penny of that on tax relief. Again, Sharon, you've campaigned off of the promise to lower the sales tax by 1%. What have you done on that subject? And, and by the way, to those of you that are listening right now, I have no shame in admitting that definitions matter and words matter. And yes, case law Time. matters. We need to be serious about those things. Time. Sharon?
0: Yeah, so let's talk about some of the things we did do in the budget. We did increase the exemption for uh, small businesses. I think it's really exciting that 125 k in revenue means you don't even need to file, you don't have to pay the B&O tax. We are giving 400,000 households a $300 to $1,200 tax rebate starting in January. We took $650 million to the capital budget to help solve housing and homelessness. We put $400 million in the housing trust fund to build homes for those folks. We got money for Intelco, child care, and we have reserves of 12.4%, which is historically 10. high, tied with only 2020.
1: We're speaking with uh, Democrat Sharon shoemaker Republican Simon Sefcik, the, the candidates for the state Senate seat in the 42nd District here in Whatcom County. And we've got a few lightning round questions. So... We'll throw these out, and each of you will have a minute to answer these questions.
2: Is it where my the best burger is in Whatcom County or something like that?
1: <laughs> we can throw that in if you'd like. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's see. This will start with Simon. So um, sh- should Snake River dams be removed to save
2: salmon? One minute. Nope. Uh, they shouldn't be. At recent projections say it would cost here about uh, 10 to $27 billion to do so. Uh, I think there are a lot of other options, uh, actually, that Sharon and I talked about a few minutes ago that would increase our salmon population. But tearing down the Snake River dams at the same time, by the way, that we're trying to go basically 100% electric here in the state of Washington is uh, very, very, very unrealistic and I think makes for bad policymaking. And I would hope that Sharon Shoemake agrees with me on this one. Sharon.
0: I have a very nuanced view on this. I'm sorry. Um, So the Snake River dams produce less than a thousand megawatts of power and they produce it during the time that we need it the least in the spring. Um, We they are also incredibly important habitat for salmon and the only way that I would support reducing the snake removing the Snake River dams is if we can replace that power if we can also keep the farmers whole. So that means that they still have irrigation, that they still have a way to get their produce, their grain to market. Because right now what we have is we have the grain going down the river and the salmon being trucked up around it as they go towards extinction. I believe that we can get that together. I'm going to fight for that.
1: All right, next question. Should Washington ban the sale of new gas and diesel-burning vehicles? So let's start with Sharon this time. No. <laughs> okay.
0: I think I think that's too heavy-handed. Um, I do think that we're going to get to a point where electric cars are cheaper per mile than gas and diesel cars. Um, I don't support that policy. We ha- we set a goal when I voted for it, and since then it's changed.
2: All right, Simon. Well, that was an interesting answer. I hope you tell that to to your uh, fellow representative Alex Rommel, who does believe in those things and is very much supporting you and your campaign, along with different environmental groups uh, that that seem to support those ideas. Uh, but, again, to the folks that are listening, I obviously don't believe in that either. And I just want to remind all of you that every year, though, Sharon shoemaker votes for a new tax or to raise your gas cost. Washington state has the third highest gas tax in the entire country. That tax is going to go up next year because of policies that Representative shoemaker supports.
1: All right. Uh, one more question. What actions should Washington state be taking in light of the Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision?
2: This would start with with uh, Simon. Well, In terms of what actions the Washington state legislature should take in light of that decision, the Washington state legislature, as well as the people in Washington state, have already been very clear uh, about where they stand on this issue. In fact, they were clear about where they stood on this issue even before the Roe v. Wade decision occurred uh, in the 1970s. And so I'm not in favor of uh, taxpayer funding for uh, out-of-state abortions for those that want to receive uh, services here in the state of Washington. Uh, I don't think that makes financial sense. I don't think it, it makes sense for the people of Washington to pay for something like that. Uh, but in terms of what the legislature should do in response, uh, again, the legislature has already been very, very clear, uh, even before the Roe decision and, and ever since and even after the Dobbs decision. Sharon?
0: Yeah, so I believe that we should protect the right to an abortion and I would point out that Simon voted against it, arguing that we didn't even need to pass a bill. Um, he has not been clear on this over and over again in the last debate. They couldn't pin him down either. A journalist found that he called himself proudly pro-life. It's not really surprising. I've seen him described other places as an anti-abortion activist. He worked for Trump. He worked for Ted Budd, who's one of the co-sponsors on the national abortion ban. This is absolutely an issue on the ballot this year, and we need to vote like it is. All
1: right. I said one more question, but one more. Is the pandemic over? Sharon.
0: Oh, goodness. It looks like it's endemic, and we probably need to continue to protect ourselves. Think about this. I don't know when a pandemic ends. I'm not an epidemiologist.
2: All right. Simon? Well, supposedly it's over, uh, according to President Biden, and obviously Governor Inslee's ending uh, the emergency mandates on October 31st. Uh, I think that the pandemic uh, has been over. I think, obviously, it's still going to be an ongoing issue, and we need to take precautions to stay safe. But, again, I think the bigger issue is that Sharon Shoemake owes an apology to the people who lost their jobs when she didn't stand up for them. And it's now easy to go back and say, oh, yeah, maybe we went too far. But when businesses got shut down, when employees lost their jobs – Uh, again where was the majority party and the answer is they weren't with you Uh, they didn't stand for you when you needed them the most and so uh, that's why I think uh, again the uh, pandemic restrictions and the lockdowns didn't work for students they didn't work for small businesses they didn't work for employees and they only made our problems worse most of them.
0: Simon I can find people that I stood up for to talk to you about this.
1: All right.
2: Well, good. Then I hope you support giving the Department of Transportation employees uh, workers that lost their jobs their jobs back in the right. NPD officers.
1: Okay. Well, let's uh, wrap things up. I promised you a chance to talk about yourself, your your uh, campaign, what you intend to do as a member of the State Senate here in this uh, upcoming session and, and in this term. Uh, so let's start with Sharon.
0: Yeah. So my background is I'm a mom, a wife, and a teacher, and an economist. And I bring a track record of bringing back money to Whatcom and a lifetime of experience. As an economist, I think people can mostly make their own decisions. Um, It's when these decisions impact others that when government has a role. We all do better when we invest in infrastructure and public health, when we have an educated workforce, when we protect the environment, and ensure everyone feels safe. I don't wanna get between a woman and her doctor. I don't wanna tell you who you can and can't marry, but I do believe that Americans can do big things when we do them together. And that's why this campaign has always been rooted in community it's why i knock so many doors it's why i try to respond to every email and it might be my name splashed along the highway but the campaign has never really been about me it's been about you and i think you've seen a lot of contrast here i've tried to talk about policy whereas simon says it can't get my name out of his mouth
2: all right simon sure i'm not going to ever apologize for pointing out a record that i believe has failed the people of whatcom county And I think that it's my job to show a clear contrast between somebody's rhetoric and from their record. Uh, Here are the facts. You know, the fact of the matter is that uh, this campaign is not something that I would have ever imagined for myself. I'm a kid here who grew up in Whatcom County on a farm. I love this place. Uh, But I've had the honor of a lifetime to get to serve all of you and to represent you and advocate for you in Olympia. I'm running for office because I genuinely do believe that Washington State needs a new, energetic and empathetic voice for our future. I think we need to return affordability. I think we need to restore public safety and we need to rebuild accountability in our government. And I think those are challenges that are too big for any one person alone, but that's why I'm honored to have more individual donors than Representative shoemaker more local business support than Representative shoemaker because the neighbors that you know, the businesses that you trust and that you shop at are supporting me in this campaign. And that's because I'm supporting you. I'm fighting for you. I'm advocating for you. And I'll always do that for you in Olympia.
1: Well, once again, thanks very much to Democratic candidate Sharon Shoemake, Republican candidate Simon Sefsick. Uh, they'll be on the ballot for the 50, or the 42nd District State Senate seat uh, this November And uh, really appreciate you both coming on and answering our questions. Thanks Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Good luck to you both.